0: So uh, ESPN has this uh, series, I'm sure some of you have heard of it, it's uh, kind of like a documentary series. It's called 30 for 30. It's been around for about 15 years. Um, it's pretty good. It's um, really just these documentaries they, where they chronicle sport stories and interesting sport athletes and Anyway, about uh, I think about seven years ago, they put one together that uh, really caught my eye. It was called uh, Doc and Darryl, and it was about the careers of uh, Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden. They played uh, Major League Baseball, most of you probably know, in the 1980s and 90s. Uh, they both began with the Mets. And uh, incredibly successful with the Mets, and then they played with the Yankees and a couple of other teams in between. Uh, They were both unbelievable prospects. Darryl Strawberry was like regularly being compared to Mickey Mantle, like they said that he had the goods, like he was potentially going to be as good as a hitter as Mickey Mantle or Ted Williams, Um, Dwight uh, Dwight Gooden his rookie year 1985 if you're around then and if you're a Met fan there's no way you you forgot it it was just one of these unbelievable seasons he had he just was like a machine Uh, people say that his a lot of people argue that that was the single greatest season for a pitcher ever Um, he won the Triple Crown which means he had the most wins strikeouts and earn-run average crushed everybody it was like really no competition Um, but the reason they both got this documentary profile really it wasn't because of all those great numbers it was really because of what happened uh, a few years into their career these guys were absolutely Hall of Fame bound if they continued even close to the pace with they, were, they were operating at. Um, but within a couple of seasons, it all came undone. Uh, because of drugs and alcohol. They had more arrests and suspensions and rehabs than you could count. It was crazy. It's, it seemed like for about 10 or 12 years, it just was every year there was some story so, there's no Hall of Fame. Um, it was almost like a, like a Shakespearean tragedy. Um, you had this hero who had this gift, sort of this significant talent. But he also had this fatal flaw. Um, some, some thing that just tripped them up. Some sin, some something. And they, they never achieved what they were once capable of. Um, they just squandered their gifts. It was a little more complicated, arguably. Like, they both had Strawberry and Gooden. They both had fathers who were, um, didn't set great example. So these guys were totally unprepared for... Fame and celebrity, and the wealth that comes from that. They were playing in New York City. But the bottom line is, they were so gifted, like so God gifted. Like, nobody can teach you to have that kind of a fastball. Nobody can teach you to hit epic home runs that Strawberry hit. Um, They're gifts. And they really were squandered. Um, it's like this parable. It's this guy who buried the money in the parable. The first two took the money they were given and they invested, they worked it. And they made more. They doubled what they were given and they were rewarded because of it. But this third guy, he was given this gift and he just buried it. And he's punished because of it. He's... Daryl Strawberry, Dwight Gooden. They squandered their gifts. I was thinking about that word the last couple of days when I was checking out this gospel. I was like, this notion of squandering, squandering something, squandering something that you've you got or some potential. And I, I, it was like, you know, sometimes like you got like a word in your head or, or a line from something. Like I know it, but I don't know where it's from. And then I realized that it was from a, a, a song lyric. I have squandered my resistance. Anybody know what that's from? Simon and Garfunkel, right. The boxer. I've squandered my resistance. I love that song. So I looked it up. You know, I kind of thought I knew it, and I think I know most of the words, having heard it forever, but I, uh, it's interesting sometimes when you then sit and you look at lyrics to a a song, uh, you kind of get so much more out of it. I mean, some of it's kind of obvious, it's about this fighter, this boxer. Paul Simon actually said it was about himself. It was kind of autobiographical. He wasn't a boxer at all. But he said when he wrote the song, he was feeling kind of beat up and he was starting to have doubts. Uh, Some of the troubles that Art Garfunkel had, you know, some of the, they broke up a bunch of times. Some of those troubles were beginning to surface. Paul Simon felt kind of betrayed by Garfunkel. So he was hurt by that. Critics weren't treating him with a whole lot of kindness. He was, you know, affected by that. He was beginning to question whether he even wanted to do the whole music thing. So he writes this song about this boxer who had such great potential, but kind of squandered it. Listen to this I am just a poor boy, though my story is seldom told. I have squandered my resistance for a pocket full of mumbles, such as such are promises, all lies and jest. Still a man hears what he wants to hear, and he disregards the rest. This guy, he's talking about himself, this boxer. My story is seldom told. Why is it seldom told? Because this guy squandered everything he had. This resistance, this force, this strength, this power, these gifts that he was given as a boxer. And he says he squandered it on bad choices and selfish living, compromised, surrendered. He failed. And now he's really become a loser. Like a shadow of what he once was. Strange, it's kind of a pretty dreary song. Like, I love it, but it's like, it's not the happiest song in the world. He spends a whole piece talking about wanting to just go quit go home he's he's in New York City and he's hating it where the New York City winters are bleeding me he says leading me to go home he's done he wants out because he's blown it all there was such promise and potential it's Daryl Strawberry it's Dwight Gooden it's the guy in the parable It's this boxer. But then there's this final verse. He says this, in the clearing stands a boxer and a fighter by his trade. And he carries the reminders of every glove that laid him down or cut him till he cried out in his anger and in his shame, I am leaving, I am leaving. And then there's one final line. But the fighter still remains. Like you're convinced, he says, I'm leaving, I'm leaving. I'm done, I'm going home. I'm going to, I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's not going to be this anymore. And in the final line, Paul Simon says, he like, he flips it. But the fighter still remains. Like it, it ends with hope. Despite the loss, despite the, the compromise and the loneliness, despite squandering all that he had, he stays in the fight. But the fight, the fighter still remains. I remember, some of you might remember this, this was uh, September 29th, 2001, so it was 18 days after 9 11 and it was a Saturday night. It was the first time Saturday Night Live was gonna do a live broadcast after 9-11. The Saturdays right after the attacks, they just, they just did reruns. Nobody was ready to deal with comedy and Saturday Night Live. Well, 18 days later, they, they decide they're gonna come back The beginning was was pretty cool. I'll I'll always remember it. Usually the opening of Saturday Night Live is that little comedy sketch they do and live from New York. And then they go into the credits. They didn't do any of that. It was very serious. And you see uh, Rudy Giuliani, the mayor at the time, right? And he's standing around them, probably 25 cops and firefighters and... uh, port authority, officers. And he's standing kind of in front of them. And then he talks for maybe about a minute to the audience, to us. He talks about New York City being hit and being hurt, but not surrendering. Not surrendering. It's ultimately this message of hope. We're hurt but we're not down and we're not done. He says that and then the camera spans over to the stage where the musicians you know, perform and Paul Simon's standing there with a guitar and he sings this song, The Boxer. And I remember the final that, but the fighter still remains, he sang that in this, it wasn't really like the recording, it was sort of like this defiant, exaggerated kind of way. It was so cool. It was so what we needed. We're all squanderers, aren't we? I mean, if we're honest. Haven't we all squandered things? Some ball that we dropped? Some opportunity that we just missed? some gift that we didn't recognize, or we resisted it, or we rejected it. Maybe it was some fear or some sin that just kind of paralyzed us. But we've all squandered gifts. I remember my, one of my older brothers, when he was like, let's see, he was in high school and he started a, uh, a lawn cutting business, Floral Park, where we all lived. And it was pretty good. He got about eight customers together. He had a, got a lawn mower and all the stuff he needed, and he was mowing lawns. This was probably like his freshman and sophomore year of high school. And then by the time he was a junior, he was, you know, as good as that was, you know, he needed to make more money, a kind of full-time thing, so he, he gave the business to me. <laughs> I was probably 12 or 13, and I was so psyched. I was like, man, I got a job. I had already calculated how much money these lawns were gonna bring in. He had done all the, the legwork. He had the machinery and all of this, the mower and stuff. It was really my first job. And I hated it. <laughs> and Once I started doing it, I was like, none of, the, none of the rest of my friends, well, maybe they had paper routes, but like, it seemed like I was the only guy working and was hating cutting these lawns. And the following spring, I go to all of my eight customers to kind of set up a time to kind of get stuff going. Just a, I don't know, it was a coincidence. Six of my eight customers decided to get a different landscaper that year. <laughs> Six of the eight fired me. One of them was blind. It's like this blind woman who lived in this house. Like she couldn't even see what I was cutting. And at a certain point, like my my brother, who began the business, and my father were like, what happened? And I was like coming up, trying to come up with excuses. And they were like, are you kidding? You just blew this whole thing up? Like I squandered the gift. This was handed to me. And I squandered it. What have you squandered? (gasps) Not to get too negative, but like, what, is, what are things that maybe we have objectively squandered? And I don't know, what could be done about it? I mean, sometimes it's too late, right? I mean, I'm not gonna go cutting those six lawns anymore, that's, that's long done. But some things we can fix. Some things that we squandered can be salvaged. You know, next season, the Mets, they announced a couple of months ago that they're gonna retire Dwight Gooden and Darryl Strawberry's numbers. So no Met will ever wear their numbers. Despite their sort of tragic careers, they still had pretty good statistics for the Mets. They should have been way more than they were, but so they're honoring them by retiring their numbers. Strawberry's story kind of ended well, his post-baseball life. Not right away, but eventually he got things together and he turned his life around and became a, a, a born-again Christian and a, became a minister. Really solid citizen. Dwight Gooden's story hasn't been so happy. He, uh, he's continued to have legal problems He's had relapses. He doesn't look good. You see pictures of him. Doesn't look like a healthy guy. He just can't seem to ultimately conquer this addiction. So, so pray for Dwight Gooden and the Dwight Goodens of the world. Anybody And everybody who's got a demon who's got something that's keeping them from the life God wants for them whatever the reason whatever the blame they just need prayer they probably need more than that they need to do very often things themselves but prayer helps there's always hope It's the song. It's the last line. But the fighter still remains. So pray for hope.